Welcome to episode 30 of the Colin and Samir podcast. On today's episode, we talk about the concept of feedback. Feedback is an incredibly important part of the creative process, and it has been integral in all of the projects that Colin and I have done. And on today's show, we also give an update on the pitch we talked about in last week's episode. By the end of the episode, we take questions from our Instagram, which is actually something that we want to do more of. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, you can follow us there at Colin and Samir. All right. This was a very fun episode for us to record and just really exciting that we crossed the 30 episode marker. When we first started this podcast, it was kind of an experiment, but it has quickly become one of the most enjoyable parts of our week, whether it's getting to interview other inspiring creators or just talk out some of the thoughts that are on our minds. It's really just an amazing opportunity to connect with a community of like-minded individuals. So we wanted to say thank you for listening and thank you for continuing to support us. Without further ado, this is episode 30 of the Colin and Samir podcast. All right, welcome to episode 30 of the Colin and Samir podcast. 30 episodes. Wow. Come on. Like this, this is something that started kind of as an experiment uh, we didn't really have a plan going into it about what the podcast was going to be, but it's actually how we go into a lot of our ideas, which is just start, and then it will become something once you start. I'm really proud. I mean, doing 30 of anything, I think is difficult. Like mm-hmm. if I went to the gym 30 times, <laughs> you know what I mean? Even in two months, like I'd be like, wow, that's a pretty good amount of time. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because I believe that in creation, until you create a hundred, you're not even on your way to developing it yet. Like really, you're not like really in the, in the thick of development. And so we're like a third of the way there, but 30 weeks of, of creating something uh, on a weekly basis has been really amazing um, and really interesting. And like the podcast has actually developed over time. We've done episodes with guests. We've done episodes with just Colin and I, and the coolest part is actually receiving the feedback from you guys. Like whether that's through email, Twitter, or in the review section, like actually putting out something into the world and having some of you guys respond by saying, yeah, I felt that way too. Or, um, you know, Hey, that, that really inspired me to do something that that's like this crazy connection that, that is so special. It's amazing. It feels so good to be honest on this podcast and just put things out in the world and then get feedback. Like you're saying from people who say, Hey, you know, I connected with you. I felt the same way, especially after our podcast last week. Yeah, so we wanted to start this podcast with an update from last week. So last week, we spent the week talking about a pitch that we made to BuzzFeed and Instagram for something called Vertical U. So basically, it's this um, opportunity to go into BuzzFeed and learn from their uh, you know, mentors and kind of creators and, and help develop a show that would, be, end up, you know, that would end up on IGTV for BuzzFeed. So it'd be like a vertical show. And we pitched our show, The Breakdown. And we got an email today. Colin, you want to read that email? Yeah, let me pull it up. I mean, if you didn't listen last week, the gist of it was we made it to the second round of this process, which was a video interview. Uh, Samil, Samir did really well on his. You just call me Samil. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, uh, I've never heard you say that. That's not a name that I call you. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, Samir did really well in his video interview. Can I talk right now? I don't know what's happening. Samir did really this is, well. This is actually what happened to Colin in his interview. Yes. So yeah. in my interview, I started speaking like I'm speaking right now. Uh, it didn't go well and I was disappointed. But today, we both got emails from BuzzFeed that said, 
Okay, I deleted mine. It looks like you deleted the email. I don't see it in here. That's, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Let me let me cut. The, telling you what, if we don't make it to let, this BuzzFeed let, thing, let, it's because of me. Yeah, let me cut this story. Um, we got accepted. So very exciting today. We got an email that just said, "Congratulations, you've been accepted to BuzzFeed's Vertical U." And so in two weeks, for five days, we'll be at BuzzFeed developing the breakdown uh, with them and seeing if at the end of it, we will actually end up making it into a real show. So like regardless of what happens, the opportunity to go into BuzzFeed uh, and, and Instagram and learn about vertical content, learn about vertical video, learn about how they approach you know, making videos, what an unbelievable opportunity just in itself. So I'm really excited mainly just to spend one week in a different environment. Yeah. I mean, learning from people like that is, is really amazing. And, you know, right now, basically how everything works is Colin and I create content. We come up with an idea together, you know, in this studio or, um, you know, likely at a coffee shop and then we'll like map it out and then we'll shoot it and then we'll edit it. And that whole process is done just with Colin and I. And then once we put it out online, um, that's when we start to receive feedback. So to actually get feedback in the ideation process, like that's stuff that happens behind the scenes. So to get feedback in, hey, could you actually be ideating better? Could you actually be doing pre-production better? And even is there a format for this show that is different that you have not tried yet? Mm-hmm. We were talking just before this podcast, even the fact that it is now going to be a vertical format one of us will be on camera delivering a line. So you kind of take out that aspect where when one person is talking, the other person is just staring blankly at the screen. Mm -hmm. So I think now with a vertical format, it's going to be interesting how creative we can get. And I think the show can be better than it is right now. Yeah. I I, I don't know who said this, but there's some line that said, um, you should always have a mentor and a mentee. Like you should always have someone you're learning from and, and be teaching someone at the same time. And that, that will make you like, you know, the best at your craft. So I think the opportunity to have people mentor us, you know, is, is such a cool opportunity. And, and I'm, ex- I'm really excited about it. And, you know, just to say for everyone who has watched our content and like provided feedback, it all helps and it continues to help. So, you know, outside of updating everyone on uh, the opportunity from last week and what ended up happening from that, we also wanted to talk about some feedback, feedback that we've gotten from you on the reviews of our podcast. Uh, thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed our podcast. It's awesome to read those. I said this in the outro of the last episode, but I find that I feel like the reviews of our podcast are like the comment section of a YouTube video. And I'd like them to be more like that. Like I'd like to actually be able to read the comments or, or sorry, read the reviews and respond to them because podcasts, you put them out and yeah, you get tweets and and emails, but it's not like Instagram or YouTube where you have immediate feedback in a comment section. Yeah. There's no really place for your podcast community to hang out. Like Mm -hmm. you can send out a tweet about our podcast and tag us and we will see it. But that doesn't mean that other listeners of our podcast can see your comment and chime in. Mm -hmm. So why don't we read that review, the most recent review, which is, which is a very in-depth review of the podcast, but it was a really fun read. It really makes us feel really good. So, all right. This review is from Scott. He says, Colin and Samir are on the cusp of something special. They're talented filmmakers, entrepreneurs, community builders, coffee drinkers, editors, and teachers. 
But most importantly, they're curious by nature. What makes this podcast special is it's like a window inside the minds of two seriously talented creators who are still in the early stages of their journey with a serious amount of introspection in a good way. As someone who listens to 15 plus hours of podcasts a week, this is the best new show I've discovered in over a year, and I'm surprised at how under the radar Colin and Samir are for now. If this were on Gimlet or another big platform, their audience would already be in the hundreds of thousands of downloads per week. This show is that good. It reminds me of the new show without fail. As the show goes on, it would be great to hear Colin and Samir break down the decisions behind the kind of content they're creating for their YouTube show and why they're passionate about making it in the first place. Or do one live show a month at their studio or coffee shop and invite their followers, fans, YouTube community to attend. Also, especially enjoy when they interview other creators. As artists themselves, the questions are particularly insightful, cannot recommend the show highly enough, and they should definitely be sponsored by Blue Bottle. <laughs> I really agree with that yeah, last yeah. point. Some, yeah. some coffee company. So, I mean, A, I really appreciate how in-depth that, that review is. Um, whether you love the show or maybe you listen to it and you're like, this could be so much better, whatever it is, the feedback is such an important process of being creative, like creating anything is, it's so important. Even that idea, like, you know, wanting to know a little bit deeper about the decisions we're making and why we're creating certain types of content. It's a good idea. We'd love to talk about that. So, um, you know, leave your feedback in the reviews, let us know all of your feedback and, and let's address some of that. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of the things I love about social media in general is that it is and can be an incubator for your ideas. We've, we've said that before on our YouTube channel that we really treat it as an incubator for ideas. So, you know, the breakdown, the show that we're doing is, is a version of that. We're putting it out, testing it, getting feedback. And same thing with the podcast. It's such a, mm -hmm. you're sort of playing the long game, but it's also a really fulfilling way to develop something with a bunch of people. Yeah. So j just the concept of feedback. So t in today's world, I feel like it's so easy to get feedback. And if you look at the way apps launch, I think in like tech companies, the way they do it is they put together what's called an MVP, which is the minimum viable product. And that basically means what, what's the absolute minimum for me to put this out and have users use it? Because I won't actually know how my app is being used until it's out in the world. For example, Twitter was actually started as an audio platform. It was actually started a long time ago as a place for people to share little audio snippets. And wasn't YouTube a dating platform? And YouTube was a dating platform where you could make a video to like I mean, introduce yourself. That. Yeah. So the, like starting as something, I, I mean, Twitch, Twitch is a great example too. Twitch was Justin TV. If you don't know that story, uh, Gimlet has an amazing series on it on Startup Podcast where they talk about how Twitch was formed. But there's so many companies that started as something and then pivoted to something else. And we view content like that. We basically mm -hmm. view it as like, what's the minimum viable product? Like, what can we do to put it out into the world, receive feedback, and then have it take shape with that feedback? So you're essentially creating it while it's live. And, and that process um, is how we think about a lot of our content. So when, when that question you know, in that review says, tell us a little bit about why you're making certain types of content, and what, what kind of content we're seeing on your channel. We're thinking of it in the way of what is the minimum viable product of this content. So like for the breakdown, we knew we need to put out a, you know, at least six, seven episodes before we can pitch this to someone mm -hmm. to develop it to a point where like, this is the product, this is what we're looking at. 
And that's why oftentimes you'll see different types of ideas come out on our YouTube channel, whether it's a food show or a Q&A show. For us, we're treating it like, can we test this program, see the reaction, and then make a decision if we want to continue with it or not. And if you look at the breakdown specifically, we were able to put together a pitch deck and send them some examples on our YouTube channel that have over 450,000 views. Mm -hmm. But that process of actually coming up with the show, the breakdown, goes way back to hosting on the lacrosse network and doing a show called The Weekly Watch, a clip show about mm -hmm. the sport of lacrosse. And then once we started our new channel, we made a show called What's Good, which was in a similar style, but about good news. And on one of those episodes, we broke down uh, like how to wake up early, right? Like mm -hmm. morning routines. And it yeah. was in a similar style to the way the breakdown works now. So this has been a huge process mm -hmm. that didn't just start with the breakdown. It's been years. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the baseline concept here is that if you have an idea, don't hold it so sacred, if that makes sense. Like, don't mm -hmm. hold it so sacred that you have to plan so much before you even start. Like, the concept of a business plan is amazing. The concept of, you know, making sure you have some sort of strategy is amazing. Um, but find the way to basically create it as quickly as possible. That's the most important thing. Um, then you'll figure out once you've created it, like actually how it feels to make it. Is this sustainable? Does this make sense? And then you can actually craft a plan while you're creating it. That, that to me and like I think to us is how we think about most of the stuff we do. And um, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. In this case, creating the breakdown, putting it out into the world, developing it while we're creating it um, has really led us to a better understanding of what the product is, what it can be, what's capable just for a small team to do, and how we think it could actually exist in the world, which allows us then to pitch it to this opportunity at BuzzFeed Instagram, and it allows us to get accepted and now potentially further develop it. It could turn into something completely different, but none of it starts unless we turn on the camera. And some of it, too, is not just like what's going to be the best product for viewership or uh, you mm -hmm. know, for the YouTube audience, but how do we do it, actually put the episodes together in a way that is more efficient every time and more enjoyable, mm -hmm. right? That's yeah. part of it, too. Is like, yeah, 100%. I mean, we started it because we have these conversations about digital media and, and mm -hmm. trends all the time, so it was natural to us. Um, but having conversations about digital media is very different than putting together a 10 minute, very intricate edit, right. you know, and putting all those hours into it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this process too, and which we're still learning is, you know, how to sort of streamline the process, make it easier, make it more enjoyable. Absolutely. So we'll, again, we'll keep you guys updated through this process. This is a really cool, exciting thing. Um, I've looked up to Buzzfeed as a platform since, you know, the website with like the quizzes when that first launched, I remember just thinking these people have figured out how to make me press the share button when they would do like nine things you only know if you're from the 90s. Mm -hmm. I just remember I was like, how are they speaking? Like it feels like they're just speaking directly to me and I want to share it with all of my friends who grew up in the 90s. So I feel like viral content. Um, Buzzfeed knows it Buzzfeed very knows well. it really well, which is really cool. And just having exposure to people who know how to create content on that scale um, whether it's BuzzFeed, Yes Theory, the people that we've been you know, able to meet. I'm, I'm excited to learn from more people like that. Yeah, and we, we literally just found out like an hour ago and we were super excited. Yeah. I will say I am a little bit concerned that I can't find my acceptance letter. 
Yeah. Neither here nor there. I'm again, sure it'll get worked out. But, concern. you know. Yeah, yeah. A little concerned. Don't delete your emails. That's what It's got to be like in my junk folder or something. I don't yeah, know what happened yeah, to it. Don't delete your emails. <laughs> um, okay. So we wanted to spend the rest of the episode um, answering some of your questions. So on Instagram, if you don't follow us, you can follow us at Colin and Samir. On Instagram, we put up a story asking for questions. We just recorded a video that addressed some of those questions, but we didn't answer all of them. So we wanted to spend some time answering those questions here on the podcast. So, um, let's start with this one right here. Actually, no, I want to start with this one. Let's see. Actually, there's some really crazy questions here. Huh. What do you got? Um, all right, this one is from Thomas Daher. And if you don't know who Thomas is, if you watch Yes Theory, he's you know one of the main editors. He's such a talented editor. Uh, but he asked, what movie inspired you to make videos slash films, if there is one? For me, it's interesting. It's not a movie. I did not grow up wanting to be a filmmaker or get involved in Hollywood or anything like that. But when I did start watching a lot of YouTube, I was heavily inspired by a documentary web series called The Traveling Circus. And it was about uh, two guys who traveled around skiing in a van. And they were guys who were like, I, I was young and in, you know, I think a freshman or a sophomore in college at the time. And they were filming it themselves, editing it themselves, and they were doing it on behalf of a ski brand. And I just thought it was incredible that these guys could make a show and you could follow along with them and they didn't need, like, all they needed were their, their laptop and the cameras that they had. And that, to me, was very impactful. That was like, oh, I can tell a story about myself? This is interesting. And that's basically what I did when I first picked up a camera was do the same type of thing, but about my lacrosse team. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. For me, it's just Goodfellas. <laughs> Great movie, which yeah. I did not watch until you gave me a Blu-ray for <laughs> just to, one of my birthdays. Just to give you guys context of how long Colin and I have known each other, I gave Colin a Blu-ray of Goodfellas, and, and that I, wasn't I, that long ago. Yeah. And you had a Blu-ray player. Actually, Samir, I did not have a Blu-ray oh, you did player, Blu-ray. and that Blu-ray was never opened. Okay. So I think you were just a little bit late, yeah. right. but I still it's the thought that counts. I still okay. have the Blu-ray. Anyway. And I, I've seen the movie if, elsewhere. It's a good if movie. If you haven't seen Goodfellas, like the voiceover style of Goodfellas, like Scorsese's way of just telling a story and building character, yeah. like the connection you have to the characters in a Scorsese movie is insane, Incredible. and I, I love that. What's the first line of Goodfellas? As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Yeah. Oh. God. So, so we made a video yeah. on our YouTube channel called Kick Down the Door, one of my favorite videos. Mm-hmm. And it opens with a similar line. Yeah. Uh, as far back as we can remember, we always wanted to go to the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Loved yeah. it. Ode to Goodfellas. All right. This is a great question. Documenting versus experiencing. Thoughts. I'm on a four-month backpacking trip. Um, I would love to speak to this one. I went on a trip with one of my best friends to... Um, Spain and and France and we just like traveled through and it was the last night that we were going to be in Bordeaux, France and I was filming the whole time. We had been out the entire day and I just had a little point and shoot camera as well as a Polaroid camera. So I'm filming with the point and shoot and like having a great time filming like it's so beautiful there. I'm trying to capture everything in photo and video 
I don't know for what. I just like wanted mm-hmm. to capture it all. Then that camera dies close to sunset. So I take out um, my Polaroid camera and I start snapping pictures uh, of the Polaroid of the sunset because I'm like, this is so amazing. Like I have to capture these scenes. But as I'm clicking, the sun's going down and there's not enough light. So my Polaroids, which I only have like five left uh, of, are showing up black. And when I printed out like one of my last ones, I look at it and I just had this realization of like, why am I so anxious to capture all this stuff? Hmm. Why am I so nervous that I'm not going to be able to show this to anyone or like be able to tell this story with visuals of like how beautiful the last night of Bordeaux was. And I just opened my backpack and just put my camera gear away and zipped it up and just sat and just looked at it. And then I just walked around Bordeaux that night and just looked around. And it was the last like trip like that I took, like the last trip uh, to Europe that I took like that. And it was such an amazing experience to actually just sink in and experience it. Like when I look back, I'm so happy I have footage of that trip. We've used it in, mm-hmm. in on our channel before. It's like, it was such a fun trip. But like to just decide, you know what? There's no reason, like there's no you can just sit back and experience. So I would say document with a purpose, you know, like when you're on your trip or you're doing anything, going through an experience, document with a purpose. If you're like, I want to tell this story, um, you know, get the footage to tell the story. You need a lot less footage than you think. Mm -hmm. If there's something cool in a conversation, take out the camera and just be intentional with the camera. I had a lot of anxiety in that trip around filming everything. I've made one or two videos from that and I've used 90 seconds of footage from 10 days. So, you know, be intentional with with what you film. Yeah, it's unfortunate when documenting gets in the way of the experience. And for me in the past to mitigate that, it's always been about also carrying a low impact camera. Something that is not going to be really heavy or is difficult to use. I just find that if you really want to document the experience in a way that does not affect it, you should have something that's very easy and low profile Mm -hmm. so that if you have it like at your hip, people don't sometimes don't even like recognize that you have it. It, it, Also like a cell phone, like even taking like a Mm -hmm. selfie or a selfie video because you can always call back to it, like make a video and then call back to that moment. Um, Another question. What's one thing good or bad that comes out of YouTube? Like being a YouTuber. The good thing is definitely the the feeling of creating anything always feel good. I, whenever we press publish, I, I feel good about having taken an idea and executing, putting it into action. And then the community building around it is really the best thing. I think in one of our first videos, we talk about you know the reason behind a YouTube channel is to make the world feel smaller. And I truly believe that when you find a little bit of success on YouTube or even, you know, even at small scales, that happens. We get emails all of the time from people who just out of the blue say, hey, if you come here by any chance, if you're in Oaxaca, if you're in Japan, if you're in Belgium, you have a place to stay and I'll, and I'll get you a coffee. And that to me is just a beautiful thing to be able to travel places that you've never been before and have people there to receive you. I think it's truly incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the good. I think the bad or the unexpected bad is um, 
you do all of it alone. Like Colin and I have each other, but to really like make it on YouTube, like you're logging a ton of hours editing alone, you're filming alone, you're coming up with ideas alone. Um, you know, even just him and I, like we, I mean, we just sit in a room and come up with that. I mean, every single day, it's just you and I. We're currently just we're, sitting we're in a room. We're currently sitting in a room. Filming, alone. Yeah, filming ourselves and recording ourselves. Like, and we've been together all day. Right, exactly. So I think the like the solitude of YouTube is something that we're seeing a lot more burnout right now. We're seeing a lot more um, conversations around mental health. And I think like the success of YouTube that you can really experience from creating and once people like really latch on and get connected, um, it, it just like becomes a snowball effect, but you have to consider like what else you need outside of it. And, and the challenge is that to be successful on YouTube, it's, it takes so many hours, like so many hours of editing, so many hours of, you know, commenting, so many hours of thinking, so many hours of shooting, like it's unlike any other platform. Um, to be successful on it. So I think the bad is the the um, solitude, the burnout, like all that kind of stuff that can happen when you when you have to do it all yourself. All right, dream podcast guest. Right now, John Mayer, hands down. I don't think there is any person that is in my ear more right now than John Mayer, whether it's his live show, current mood that he does on Instagram, whether it's watching John Mayer in interviews or just listening to his music, which I've done for the past four or five years. Yeah, I mean, if you don't watch current mood with John Mayer, it's so essentially, okay, John Mayer, the reason why I think Colin and I both really love John Mayer is he shares a really similar mentality about creation. Like, just like, just do it, create it, figure it out, like share your thoughts, just put it out there, like, you know, even we used his clip in one of our videos called How to Launch a Startup that's about um, learning how to write while making music, right? Or something like that. Learning how to sing while making music. Yes. Kind of. He talks about how he's, he's giving a lecture at Berkeley College of Music and he asks, how many of you think the audience can be wrong? And some people raise their hands. Oh, yeah, and he yeah. was like, let me tell you, the audience is never wrong. Mm. So many times I'm yeah, sitting yeah. in my room and I'm saying to myself, I've got a hit on my hands and I put it out and it just dies. Okay. That's such a good point. And that really circles back to our conversation around feedback. Like if your goal is to grow an audience on YouTube, the audience is not wrong. Totally. If you make a video you think is the best video in the world and it should be on the trending page on YouTube, if it doesn't get on the trending page, you didn't make the best video. And the audience just told you that. A similar thing he tells this class that he's speaking to. He says, how many of you want to be pop stars? And the term pop star, I think sometimes people have an adverse reaction to it. Like, oh, I, I want to be an artist. And he says, it's not bad if you want to be a pop star. It just means you want as many people as possible to listen to your craft, to listen to your music. Yeah, you want your music to be popular. To be popular. Yeah. He said, so if that's something that you want, you better declare it right now because figuring that process out is going to be long, it's going to be difficult, and you better be committed and know that you want to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is it Kobe Bryant or someone who's, like, Kobe Bryant, right, who, like, decided he wanted to be in the NBA at a really young age, and then, like, someone... someone Steve Nash. Oh, Steve Nash. Yeah, 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 he told us that. Like, where you actually have to just decide, like, do I want to be in the NBA? He said that was one of the most impactful moments of his career when he was in high school, and... 
his coach took him aside and said, Hey, Steve, do you want to play in the NBA? And Steve thought about it and he said, yeah. And he said, all right, well then you really need to admit that to yourself and understand that that's a long-term goal of yours. Yeah. And that's, I think whatever idea you have, if you're listening and you have an idea or you're like, you know what? I want to win an Oscar. You just have to admit that to yourself. However crazy the goal might sound, you just have to admit it. And then you have to start acting like someone who wants to win an Oscar, you know? Or like someone who wants to play in the NBA. Like you just have to start acting like it. And you have to really start studying what people who have done those things do on a daily basis. And you have to implement that because it it, it takes a crazy level. It's not just going to happen. Like it takes a crazy level of work to do it. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you want to do. Whatever I need to do to get John Mayer on this podcast, I'm willing to do. (laughs) Is anyone, yeah, does anyone know him? Like anyone listening? Because that would be, I mean, that would be a dream. Someone asked me one time, how famous do you want to be? That's an interesting question. How famous do you want to be? I told them, I said, I want to just be at the point where if John Mayer is hosting some sort of event in LA, mm-hmm. like he does a quick pop-up concert, yeah. he sends me a text Wow, or a call. That's, is that, you know what though? The crazy thing is that's not necessarily famous. That would just mean you became friends with John Mayer, which wouldn't necessarily mean that you are famous. Hmm. That's funny. I equated the two. But you know what? Because like... That a I, lot of people are famous, but they don't get a text from John Mayer. So I'm just saying exactly. I want to be friends. So, yeah, exactly. I just so want to be friends with You want to be friends with John Mayer. Yeah. 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 So I think that that's a... Uh, you got one? I was just going to say, John, if you're listening, yeah. uh, I'm in the market for friendship. <laughs> so. All right. Hmm. Um, I have an interesting one. This is from Matt Murley. If you guys could trade lives, would you want to? I saw this one earlier and I thought about it. I think if we could really trade consciousness, like I would not want to trade lives and still be me just living in your body. I would really like to understand mm-hmm. what is it like to be you for a day? Yeah, I agree. What are the types of thoughts that go through your head? What's difficult for you? It, I, I, it I would be a life-changing experience for, for our for even our creative partnership. Totally. Because yeah. we would understand each other on a completely different level. And just the empathy that we have for yeah. each other. And we already have a lot of empathy sure. and understanding for each other. But you have empathy and understanding by giving, in a way, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. That you feel the way that you feel or mm-hmm. I feel the way that I feel. I wonder if Matt Murley was expecting us to just like think about this like Freaky Friday and yeah. be like, yeah, De- that would be cool. Definitely. You know, not, yeah. like, not like go in depth and be <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? That would really drive a lot of empathy in our relationship. <laughs> Only like, if we could trade consciousness. <laughs> like, I think like that's yeah. really funny. But yeah, I mean, I would absolutely do it as, if it was like for a day without question. That was a really good question, Matt. Mm-hmm. What is this? Oh, oh, oh. What did you end up putting in your frame? Okay, that's referring to the frame that's right next to us right now in our office. We've had an empty frame. It's like kind of, it's metaphorical, but I don't know what the metaphor is yet. But like we've, we've bought this frame in January of this year and it's been empty for, uh, I mean, almost the entire year, 12 months. Also, we bought it for another office that we've already currently moved out of. Yeah. So this empty frame has traveled with us. Yeah. But you know what's interesting? Actually, I get what the metaphor is now. Just of recent time, what has happened. I, like I made sure the frame got hung up and I'm looking to you to fill the frame. That's so much of how our creative partnership works. That's true. And <laughs> I've, I've filmed, I've, I have artwork ready to yeah, go. Yeah. I just need yeah, to yeah. send it to you. 12 months later, we're about to do it. 
there about you the go, fill the frame. Wow. So um, talk about taking action on a yeah, yeah, idea. just move fast. You know, <laughs> move what's fast. Just yeah, put it what, out there. <laughs> Facebook's uh, motto is like move fast and break things. Is what mm-hmm. is that their motto? Mm-hmm. That was their first motto, like first like company mantra. How does that relate to this? Our motto would be move slow and move slow and fill the frame. Yeah, got all it. Right. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so here we go. What advice would you give? To a filmmaker in a small town, parentheses, less than 3,000 people. It sounds like you could make some really great films, man. My advice would be make content for the 3,000 people that are in your town. Because most likely, those 3,000 people are representative of just people at large, right? So if you can connect Mm -hmm. with those 3,000, which you feel like you have a better understanding for, the things that will move them, it's going to be easier for you to know what to make. So start by entertaining the people in your small town. I think you'll be surprised with where it could lead you. Even when I first picked up a camera, I started telling stories about my college lacrosse team for my college lacrosse team. That is about as small as an audience you can get. It's like 40 people. Um, And it led to me sitting here right now in Los Angeles, having lived here for six years. So start small. It's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And like, also, you know how many other people are in your situation? Just share your truth. Like, tell us, you know, what you're experiencing. What, what's your story? Like, what, is it hard to be a creative in a small town? Do people accept you for being creative? Like all that stuff is interesting and there's gotta be people out there who are going to connect with you. I mean, I personally would love to watch that. So please make it and send it to us. Here's a question from Brendan. What would you deem as the ultimate success for your YouTube channel? Oh man, I think a just dedicated community um, of people who have really similar beliefs and are like supportive of each other and of our work and that allow us to in in return support them um, with whatever they want to do. Like that, that, Like a two-way street is what's really interesting to me. Yeah, the first word that came to mind was like respect. I think just having like a respectful community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like creating a just environment that's supportive. Yes, that encourages creativity and encourages you to take action. Like that's interesting to me. And having it be a community, like truly a community. And and I don't even have a number in my mind. Like it doesn't it doesn't hit me to think like I want this many people to watch. Yeah. But like I just want a dedicated community who are dedicated to themselves, to each other and and to just being there. Something that just brings real value mm-hmm. to people. It's not just smoke and mirrors like Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's probably also then that kind of helps us think a little bit just even that thought about what type of content you know, we, we can and start, we can start making, yeah. um, which is, there was a couple of questions about filming the podcast. We're actually filming it right now. This is the second time we've filming the podcast. Are, would you guys be interested in watching a full length video of the podcast? Let us know, like tweet at us, let us know, because we've been talking back and forth about it, if that makes sense or not. Yeah. And, and where that makes sense. Um, like whether it's a new channel yeah. or it's on our Instagram, IGTV or something. Yeah, like where where would that make sense to upload a full video of us talking? I also have no idea where to look because we only have one camera up. So like I think this would be an evolution because I'm looking at you and then sometimes looking at the lens. Yeah. 
So my mic has been falling a lot. Right. And uh, I've been dealing with that. So if you are watching, you'd be able mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. that experience. Mm-hmm. And I've been making looks at the camera. Yeah. Uh, as if to say, are you seeing this? Are you seeing what's happening? So. Okay. What else we got? Um, all right. So. There's a couple of questions about uh, our skateboard company, Bordies. That's a very interesting topic. Um, it's something that we started two two years ago. Two yep. years ago? Yeah. Started yeah, yeah. officially two years ago? Yeah, I think two years ago. Yeah. And, and has also been something we've talked about for years. Yeah, it's something we've, we've talked about since 20, probably when we met, 2012. I'm yeah. pretty sure we applied for the trademark in 2013 or 2012. Yeah. So it's been a long thing. Uh, it's it's been a goal of ours to have a product company, like to be to actually sell a product. We've been so much in the media business that having a tangible product, like take having an idea and having it turn into something that someone can touch and feel, is is a crazy thought because we've been so much in the business of having an idea and turning it into something someone can watch or listen to or like mm-hmm. view. You know, it's it's a completely different in, like situation where you have an idea and it turns into something that that you can ta- like tangibly use in your daily life. Um, it's a longer story about why skateboards. And, and I think we'll make a video that kind of brings everyone up to date with that project. We still sell pack ship um, skateboards on a regular basis, but it has not been something that's been um, at the forefront. I think if there's anything I've learned from the, the process of starting a product brand and company is that any in any company in any situation know your strengths and know your weaknesses and be really really clear about that and be okay with the fact that you're weak in certain areas and our strength was in media creation around the brand mm-hmm. we did a pretty good job oh, we did, i mean to be honest man like we we made a show and at the time where we really had a small audience on YouTube. The show was one of the most successful things we had done and drove sales of a skateboard. Like we made a behind the scenes show called Now Boarding. Um, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched that, go check it out. It's called Now Boarding. There's three episodes of it and it takes you through the launch of our skateboard company. Um, we did not sustain it. It cut off at episode three, I think probably because we got caught up in making videos for someone else. Um, and the execution of that after someone actually made a purchase mm-hmm. was something that we were not really prepared to take on. Yeah, for sure. The cool thing to see was that the media was powerful enough to make people transact with a product that's $120, and it was very cool to mm-hmm. see. We had a very small audience, but this media was working, um, and we still sell skateboards. What I think we found our weakness was in the sort of operations, mm-hmm. logistics. Yeah, so that's where it's like, you know, I, I did some writing around this the other day of just like f- engage the right people, like f- just figure it out. Look, take a step back and be like, I actually in this project, this is what I want to do. And it's actually really specific. If you want to do 100%, you can do 100%, but you got to be really clear that there's probably a learning curve on the things that you don't know. And um, you're going to have to invest your time in learning and executing. So I look at it and I think about like the next iteration of, of Colin and Samir, uh, Colin and Samir merchandise or Colin and Samir products. Like I still want to create products. Like I, I love that people still buy these skateboards. I love that, um, people ride skateboards that we created. Mm -hmm. I love that they're like get shipped a tangible good from us. Like that's crazy. So I would like to create merchandise. I'd like to, you know, build product brands, but 
I want to do it in a way that's really smart and allows you and I to focus on our strengths and other people to focus on their strengths. Yeah. The cool thing about the skateboards is that, you know, I, I ride my skateboard every day. Mm-hmm. And when someone purchases the board, I'm now connected to them in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Because I know that they are living their life a little bit closer to the way that I have chosen to live my life, yeah, yeah. which is just a really interesting connection that you don't get really just from watching yeah. a video. Yeah, so that's that's a really cool um, project that we've, we had to learn a lot of things the hard way. We actually had to shut down the site a couple times because we just didn't have the bandwidth to ship. Yeah. And like, we just didn't have it in us to, to figure it out. So multiple times we've shut down the site. I mean, episode two of Now Boarding. Yeah, episode two, we shut down the site. Or no, no, we, we have to push back the pre-order. The launch date. Yeah, yeah, the launch date because we're building all these boards. We're building boards and yeah. I'm sick at the time. Yeah, it's yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah, so, you know, there's there's a lot more uh, comments about like merch um, and, and I think that's the answer. It's like, I, th- there's not even a question in my mind. I come from a product family. My family's in the clothing business. I've always wanted to be involved in product, but I want to do it the right way. Here's a question from Hunter Brown. What was your first job coming out of college? Uh, first job coming out of college. Oh, you know what? It was an editor in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, see the thing that's confusing about that is that the reason I I hesitated was I actually got to do that job while I was in college. Um, my school allowed me for two weeks to just not go to class and come here to Hollywood and work as an editor. And then when I came back to LA, I got to continue working there, but they basically select, it was crazy by the way. This was like, I got selected as the one editor or maybe there was one more, but it was like out of the entire film school. It was one or two editors who got placed in uh, different Hollywood um, studios. And I got placed through making a movie that like, so I did two things. We had an audio class, audio storytelling, where I made a like documentary style podcast. Far ahead of its time. Far ahead of the time. It's in 2009, 10, where we, it was all audio storytelling. And so it was like, essentially make like a radio show. Um, and so I made one that like was honestly, now that I even look back at it, it was one of the best of the whole film school. And then I also made a, a mockumentary and um, that connected with a lot of people. And the head of the film school called me into his office and I totally thought I was in trouble because my mockumentary was really raunchy and like crazy. It was about an 80s hair metal rock star. It was very inspired by Spinal Tap. I've seen parts of it. You've only seen parts of it? Watch the whole thing, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's very good. It's very good, actually. I probably have seen the whole thing. It was a long time ago. But yeah, it's pretty raunchy. It's surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's out there. Like, the character was out there. It was college. It was college. He was out there. Um, and that's also still on the internet. I don't know how you would find that. But I got placed as an editor in Hollywood. I was an assistant editor. I was, like, literally the bottom of the barrel editor where it was um, just connect, you know, the clap in movies, like, rolling action. I connected that with the video and then I passed it along. That was it, sync. Did you meet Clooney? I didn't meet Clooney, but my job was to one day prepare the um, editing suite for George Clooney and I was not allowed there the next day when George <laughs> Clooney came. It was just the head editor and him yeah. um, to watch the cuts. You weren't at Clooney access level. No, no, I wasn't yeah. at Clooney access level. So the movie was Eyes of March and it was with Ryan Gosling and George Clooney. And uh, my experience on that film, like, I, you know, I there was like five editors and we were in a pitch black room. And the funny thing is, I think I've told the story on the podcast. I don't know, but I was working on a movie studio and I always thought I was going to be an actor or so, so like, I, like 
I always thought it was going to be somewhat in like the spotlight, right? And so when I showed up to the movie studio, like I I had to be there at like 8 a.m. every morning and it was an hour away from my parents' house. So I had to get up really early, but I would get up even earlier to like put my outfit together, do like my hair and make sure I was like looking cool because I thought that every time, every day, I thought that when I showed up to the studio, there was going to be like a director who was passing by me and looked and was like, there he is. There's the guy. That's the guy we need for the film. You're that's, hired. That's you're the, the piece we've been missing. Yeah. You're the lead in the film now. You and ever I, acted before? No, yeah. we don't care. I just had this romantic <laughs> thought that like I'm in Hollywood, like now my life's going to change. Like I work on a Hollywood set. But really, the walk from the entrance to the studio, much to my dismay, was 10 steps. Uh, from the entrance of the studio to the editing room was like 10 to 15 steps, and I would walk them so slow. I would just go one step after the other and just wait and be like, is anyone going to notice me? And no one noticed me. Wow. So I would walk into the uh, editing room. It was like pitch black. All the other editors would just dress comfortable. And I would dress in like, I was like wearing a leather jacket, like when I would sit down, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it would like, yeah. like squeak. And they would all look at me like, why is this guy getting dressed so nice? I think he's a real hot shot. Yeah, editor. like a hot shot assistant to the assistant, to the assistant editor. So yeah. You're like the Dwight Schrute. That was the Dwight Schrute. Like assistant editors. Basically just like watch dailies. The experience was unbelievable. Like the, the head editor, his name's Steven Mirioni. He was one of the greatest mentors in entertainment. Like he, he was amazing, like gave me the best piece of advice, which he took me out to lunch one day and was like, Hey, you know, do you like what you're doing here? And I was like, yeah, it's cool. Like, you know, I like to see how a movie comes together. And he was like, but what do you want to do? And I was like, you know, I really want to produce, like, I want to have an idea create it and put it out like and I want my friends to see it and I want people to see it and I want to get feedback and he just looked at me and he told me he was like you know what you should probably not do this because if you keep doing this job you're going to get hired to do this job again and then you're going to get hired to do it again and then it'll be 10-15 years later and maybe you'll become an assistant editor and then maybe you'll become an editor hmm. but he was like, in Hollywood, whatever job you do is not a path to another job. It's just a path to do that job more. Hmm. And it was the best piece of advice. And it's what made me want to turn to YouTube because it was like, I want to make stuff and put it out. So he was like, find a way to just make your own stuff. I mean, he, he lived in his car for two years when he moved to LA and just slept outside of USC and asked people if he could edit their films. So like... He just said, like, find exactly what you want to do and do that because that's what you're going to get hired to do next. Yeah. Yeah, So that was that was my first job. um, And then after that, started YouTube. A huge part of your first job after college, I think, is about finding a job that gives you the opportunity to find out what you don't want to do. Yeah, for sure. And that was the story for me. My first job out of college was working at the front desk of a hotel, checking people in. 40 hours a week. But the best thing about that job was that, you know, when I got off at 3 p.m., I had the rest of the day to film and edit. And I didn't have to worry about work because it was done. Mm -hmm. I knew that I did not want to work at the front desk of a hotel forever. So 
the time after I clocked out was my time to just figure it out, which was great. And that's when I was filming and when I picked up a camera for the first time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, both, both of our jobs, I guess, led us to realize what we didn't want to do and kind of be much more clear on what you do want to do. Totally. Your first job so, out of college yeah. is not the end all be all of what you will no. do. But you got to just know what's right. I mean, like you have to know what you need and what you want. It's mm-hmm. like what you need. Okay. I need X amount of money to live here. So I have to get a job, but I also want to do this. So my, in my off time, I'm going to start doing that. You know what I mean? It's like, you just figure totally. it out. I mean, I lived in a two bedroom apartment with four be- people right. and I was in a loft that didn't even have a door on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I look yeah. back at that year after college uh, very fondly. Right. One of the most impactful years of my life. All right. Should we do one more? Let's do one more. All right. One more. Let's see. I'm trying to find like a really, like a, like a good one, you know, like something that's going to. Uh, oh, wow. There actually are a lot of good ones. You, like the people who submitted on Instagram, I'm very impressed with. These are really good questions. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there's a quick question that's not going to be the last question, but it says, uh, Samir, do you speak Hindi? Um, I do when I'm like under pressure. <laughs> like I can't, <laughs> I can't just freestyle in Hindi. I can understand it completely fluently. I grew up with my parents only talking to me in Hindi. So if you speak to me in Hindi and I'm allowed to respond in English, I could have a two and a half hour conversation with you. But if I'm, you know, if, uh, only if I'm under pressure, I'm in India I'm, or I'm speaking to like my grandpa, then I can speak in Hindi. Someone asked Colin, has Samir ever made you eat Indian food? I don't think I've never made me forced you, but, but I actually have been yes, yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Oh we just gosh. went nuts on some Indian food. Yeah. Uh, I've, I have been exposed to Indian food having been working with Samir and I do really like it. Yeah. Although yesterday my mouth was on fire. All right, last, I, I, got, I got a question that I think could be good for, for the last one. All right. Um, this is from that kid, Aidant, on Instagram. If you had $780 million, what would you do? That's a very specific number. It, it's a very specific number. I think just the question is really like if money was not, it, 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 not only if money was not a problem, but if you had so much of it that you could really finance anything, you could do whatever, like what would you do? I would probably make longer form video, like documentaries that I wanted to make, but I would bring on a team, I think, to make them happen. So I was mainly involved in like the writing and the pure storytelling of it. And what would you do with the other $770 million? <laughs> That's like a $10 million operation maximum. Yeah. Um, well, that was, you know, that was one thing. Okay. Just yeah. yeah. Right, you're just getting warmed up. <laughs> yeah. I'm just getting warmed up, man. I'd get a whole, in, I'd get an entire new wardrobe. I mean, when you really think about that, uh, I'm still going, so I'd move to okay. Venice. Okay. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd probably get like an old BMW. That'd be cool. Mm. Yeah, I'm still working on it, man. I don't think about it that y- often. Y- you know, what's amazing though. I think thinking about money as a creative is so fascinating because you start to realize like even your absolute wildest dreams don't really require yeah. like $700 million. You know what My I mean? My dream is just to express myself at the <laughs> yeah. highest level, which I can kind of do yeah. already. Uh, yeah. It brings to light a lot of things of like, wait a second. How, how come I'm not doing some of those things today? Yeah. You know, like it, it's, it's kind of an interesting question. It's, yeah, it's funny. I feel like in terms of, as far as money is concerned, I'm just looking at trying to get to 
some financial stability where I can really move freely. Mm. And that's not going to take 780 million. Right. Yeah. I think I would very happily, uh, first and foremost, take care of like the things that I want, which is like, I'd like to live by the beach. I want to put aside some money to make sure that my family will always have money. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would then start a company that was be like a film company that would essentially finance ideas. And I would invite a lot of people to come in and pitch their ideas. And then I would put money behind them and Mm -hmm. I would finance my own ideas to make films. And then I would also create essentially like a grant system or like a education system for, um, people in both low income areas as well as internationally who are interested in being creative, Mm -hmm. but it's not encouraged in their society, in their uh, family, or if they're not financially able to be creative. I would create something that uh, is like an education system or a grant system that allows those people to try and be creative. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I don't think like socioeconomic status should determine your access to creative opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So creating something that supports that. But again, like, you know, I think it's uh, all that is possible in less than $780 million, which is amazing. Totally. You know? Yeah. So ask yourself that question. Continue giving us feedback. We started this episode by talking about feedback and how amazing the feedback has been on our podcast Um, and, you know, how amazing it is to have a community to put out our ideas to, like to actually create a YouTube video, put out our ideas and craft something that we were really proud of and able to pitch to Instagram and BuzzFeed and get accepted to that program. So it's, uh, we will keep you updated on that. That that's, that's like, it's such a cool project that I can't wait to keep everyone updated on. Otherwise that's it. Yeah. If you want to get in touch with us, you can leave a review in the comments. You can find us on Twitter at Colin and Samir. You can find us on Instagram at Colin and Samir and also on YouTube at Colin and Samir. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. If you guys have been enjoying the show, please drop us a review like we talked about in the episode. Feedback is so important to us. We want to hear what you guys think. Do you want to see more guests on the show? If you do want to see more guests, you can tweet at us. Let us know who you think would be a good guest on our show. Or are there topics that you want to hear Colin and I talk about? Are there questions that you guys have for us? If you have them, you can drop them in the reviews for the show. Or you can tweet them at us. Or you can email Colin and Samir at gmail.com. All right, we'll see you back here next Monday for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.